You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. This morning, we're starting a brand new series. It's called The Story. And, uh, and if, if, you've, um, if you've been anywhere, you know that story is so powerful. And when I say, Jesse, what are you talking about, story? I'm just talking about any books that you've read throughout your life growing up. There's probably a story that just rings a bell in your head that you're thinking, man, that story is ingrained in my mind from, a young, from being a young kid. Uh, it's not going anywhere. It's shaped me. It's molded me. It's, it's made me who I am today. And there's this story that maybe you're thinking of that was read to you as a kid uh, that is just in there ingrained. And it's because story is so powerful. Story is one of those things that, you know, we can't spend a lot of time doing anything nowadays. We get distracted. But yet, when it comes to story, we could watch a three-hour movie easily and, uh, and stay engaged the whole, whole time because we love watching story unfold and we love seeing and hearing these stories unfold. Um, for me, there was a story that just sticks in my mind as a kid. I was probably about four years old and my mom was a mom that read to me just religiously. Like it was just one of those things where when we were going to bed throughout the day a couple of times, she's going to pull out a book and she's going to read to me. She read to me while I was in the womb. I'm not sure how that worked or whatever, but, you know, I was in the womb and she's reading books. And, and so um, I grew with a love for reading at a young age. And um, I remember um, just learning so many lessons from these books that were able to apply to me as a young kid and uh, gave me such empathy for people and different things like that. But there was this book that she tells this story, and I, I remember this just vividly, that we, she was reading this book and I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And she says, I was sweating. I was so into this book that I just had beads of sweat pouring down. And so she's reading this story, and it comes to this place where there's such suspense. And uh, you're getting ready for this, like, man, what is this, Jesse? It must be really crazy and suspenseful. And it was a baby kangaroo that had a mama kangaroo. And this baby kangaroo just, you know, was, was hanging out in mom's pouch and, uh, and got lost eventually. So she's walking around searching for her baby kangaroo and, uh, and baby kangaroo searching for mom. And there's this scene in this book as she's reading it where they can't find each other. And they're searching everywhere. They're running and running and running to try to find each other. And there's so much fear and suspense and pain. And I'm a little boy at this time, four years old, and I'm wondering, is this mom ever going to find her kid? Is this ever going to happen? I'm so scared for this little baby. I wish I could just jump up and help. I want this baby kangaroo to find its mom. And she said, I began to tear up and I'm having these tears and I'm just waiting for her. Hurry up and speed through this book. I need to know the story. I need to know how it ends. I need to know what's gonna happen. The story, tell me the story. And it gets to this place, of course, where mom finds baby kangaroo and there's this huge reu reuniting moment and they hug and we, me and my mom hug and we cry and she's crying and I'm crying and it's just this beautiful moment of story. And it's a story that's ingrained in my mind. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's a lot of great stories. As we've grown up, there's some stories that you've read in the Bible that have been ingrained in you that you've read. But all these stories, they make up one big story. And so what we're doing with this series is we're talking about the story of the Bible, the big story. 
And it'd be easy for us to pull out a microscope and look verse by verse, but we're not doing the verse by verse thing so much with this one. Yes, we're going to read scripture, but we're looking at a big telescope view of this, not a microscope view. So we're looking at the big picture. So there's a lot of content that we're going to get through each time we meet together because we're going to be going through many stories in the Bible. But what we want you to see at the end of this series and as we go through this series is that each story, it's a story about God. It's not a story about the individual in that story. All of these stories, they point to Jesus. All these stories, they shout the name of Jesus. It's all these people pointing to him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all, every story in the Bible, it points to the coming of Christ. It points to him being our savior. And we're gonna find out how we get there and where it all began. And so today we're gonna begin that story by getting into the book of Genesis. And you say, Jesse, I've read the book of Genesis, right? Every January, I pick up the book of Genesis and I read it. And once I get to Leviticus, I'm done. So I've read the book of Genesis many, many times. I've, I'm very well-versed in it. Well, we're gonna get a little bit more well-versed in it today. It might be something that you've read quite a bit, and that's okay. It might be basic for you today, but it's an important part of the story as we tell the whole story of the Bible. As we tell the whole story of the Bible, it's important for us to recognize a few things. And I think as we talk about the story of the Bible, there's some things that you're going to find out. That every one of these stories, it points to the character of God. That you're going to see and find out who God is in every one of these stories. And you're going to find out that he's the same. That he's the same today, yesterday, and forever that his character doesn't change, that he's the same, he loves us, he's for us, he's always coming after us to try to save us. He's the God who's more than enough and he's the God who loves his people and wants to rescue them. He wants to be reunited with us. He wants to have that moment where we hug and we're reunited again. But there's some, some key themes that we're gonna go over again and again, that I want you to see. They're going to be up on the screen. But as we're going through these stories, pay attention to these themes that are happening over and over again. First one is trust. That God wants us to have an active reliance upon him to understand his character and to know that he's worthy of trust, that he's worthy of you going all in for. Trust. Partnership. Working with God to build good in the world. We're going to see specifically today that God, when he created us, he wanted us to partner with him to bring good into the world. Rebellion, going on our own way, and how that leads to death. There's this Hebrew word named hesed. Say, Jesse, what in the world does hesed mean? It's an important part that we want to talk about because what it means is it means God's enduring, generous, compassionate, and loyal love. So it's more than just love. It's an enduring love, a compassionate love that at all costs, he continues to pursue us. He continues to chase after us. He continues to want to save us. And we see again and again in scripture, people rebelling, people running away from God, and him chasing after them faithfully him chasing after them, enduring, generously, compassionately, loyal. He's loyal. 
He chases after us again and again. This word has said. We're going to talk about grace and God's unmerited favor in getting what we don't deserve, that he gives that constantly throughout Scripture. And the last one here is redemption. Being rescued, restored, and set free. And maybe there's even some themes that you're going to see along the way that we don't have here that you can write down in your notes. But as we go through the story, I said, this is the book of Genesis today. And as we get into this, many of you have read it, have gone through it, have gone through Bible studies through it, have been in kids' church at some point. And many of you, this might be your first time ever hearing the story of Genesis and God creating the earth. And wherever you're at, whatever camp you land in, let's, let's listen in today to the story and let's figure out what God wants to tell us today and what God wants to speak to us about who he is. So let's begin here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, one of the most popular verses in the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty and darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And we see here that in the very beginning, God creates a perfect world, that he creates this perfect, beautiful, amazing world. And how does he do it? Does he pull up his sleeves and begin to build? No, he speaks it out. He speaks it out little by little. He says, let there be light. And suddenly there's light. And he says, let there be land, let there be animals. And he goes down the list of naming things. Can you imagine the power of our God to create something from nothing with his words, to be able to just speak something out and suddenly it's there to create a universe before us with just speaking it out with his words. Imagine that. Imagine the amount of power, how all-powerful, how all-knowing, how much wisdom he has. Wow, what an amazing, amazing God we serve. And the creator of the universe, the maker of it all, wants to know you, wants a relationship with you, desires you. We see it from the very beginning that he created us for relationship. He created us for fellowship. But we'll see here that his very next thing that he absolutely loved, one of the, the greatest things that he ever created, it says here, then God said in verse 26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So he creates man, he creates humankind, and what does he create them in? In his image. So you and I are made in God's image. We're not God, but we're made in his image. So every single person on the face of this earth has been created by God in his image, and they are important. It doesn't matter the color of their skin, it doesn't matter their culture, their religion, their background, they are important to him and he desires a relationship with them and he wants to love them and he wants to be reunited with all of these people. He desires for all of these people, every single one of us, to be saved, 
to come into the knowledge of knowing him to be saved. He loves them deeply because they're made in his image. And it says here, why did he create them? He created them to rule. He created them to partner with him. One of the key words that we talked about, that he created them to partner with him so that we could manage all of his creation. And he wants us to be good stewards of it. And he wants us to manage it well. And he wants us to be good stewards of the kids that we have and the homes that we have and everything that we have that we should know, man, this is given to me by God and I want to take good care of it. He's saying, I want you to partner with me. And we see that he creates man, Adam and Eve at this point, in his image, male and female, he created them and he is excited about this creation. He's excited because it gives him an opportunity to fellowship with man. He's excited because man has this special status made in the image of God and they're valuable to him. And he gives them a purpose. It says here in verse 28, God bless them. God's been blessing us from the very beginning. He's been pouring out his favor upon us from the very beginning because all of his creation, everything that he made, it was for us, for our enjoyment so that we can take part in it. It's grace, it's his grace giving us something that we don't deserve. Everything that we have, everything that we own, it's his grace. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. He gives them purpose. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And life was good. Life was really good. Everything was perfect. Everything was beautiful in the garden. And I want you to imagine this world at this point that they lived in that God created and God said, this is good. This is good. Everything was good. There was no sin in the world. There was no people murdering each other. There was no wars. There was no tears. There was no heartache. There was no disease. There was no death. There was none of these things that when God made the world, these things didn't exist. So how did this happen? How did we get where we are today where there's wars? How do we get where we are today where there's disease, where there's death? There's people being murdered. How did we get to this place? Well, this is how we get to this place. Because right after this, as God creates man and gives them a perfect place to live, man rebels. And we used this key word earlier, right? Rebellion. And this is exactly what begins to take place, that God gives them everything But he says, but there's one tree that I want you to stay away from. And in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, he says, you are free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So he tells them this and he gives them an opportunity to use another key word, trust, to trust him, to trust the the God who had just made all of this for them to make the God that they were fellowshipping with, to trust him. They gave him an opportunity to trust him, but it says in verse, chapter three, verse one of Genesis, 
It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, we know now, right? You see a snake, you run. But Eve didn't know that. Eve is talking to this snake, is trusting this snake, is listening to this snake, and this snake from the very beginning is being crafty, is asking questions, is trying to find a way in. And the woman said back to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, no, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So we say, no, no, no. The creator of the universe, the God with all of the wisdom and all of the power, I, a serpent, know better than him. Listen to me. Listen to me. And it's silly in this moment, but what does Eve do? She listens to the serpent. She trusts the serpent. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. And so she took some and ate it and gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then both their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So listen, perfect world. And suddenly Eve gets an opportunity to put her trust not in God, but to put her trust in a serpent, to put her trust in a tree that God had told her not to eat from the fruit of. And as they partake, everything breaks. Everything breaks because in that moment, sin enters the world, and as sin enters the world, it begins to spread. It begins to spread. And suddenly, all of these things that we just talked about have the opportunity to enter in. Things like murdering and war and all these things. So if you're sitting there and you're wondering, how would a good God let all these things happen? He didn't create it that way. We brought it in. We brought it in in our disobedience because we have free choice to make the decisions that we make. And we chose wrongly and we continue to choose wrongly. And that's why we need a savior. That's why every single one of us needs a savior. And that's why from the very beginning, God made a way for that to take place. So it says here that in this moment, I want you to know that their relationship with God was fractured. And Adam and Eve suddenly had to leave the garden. And their lives became very different than before. It wasn't as peaceful. Suddenly work was hard. Suddenly life was difficult. Suddenly there was things that they never had to think about that they were having to think about. And life was never the same for them. And they longed that they could be back in the garden like things were before. They longed for that. But you know what I believe? And in fact, if we look at scripture right now, God didn't leave them hanging. But right there in scripture, as we see in stories so many times that you get a little hint sometimes as to how the story is going to end. And God drops a major hint there in scripture. In the book of Genesis, he says, listen, one day there will be someone that is going to come 
who is going to stomp the head of the serpent. And he is going to take that serpent out. And you know who that is? It's Jesus. And we're on this side of things now, and we know that Jesus has come, that he stomped the head of the serpent, and that his kingdom is arising, but we're not there yet. Sin is still in this world, but God has come through Jesus to make all things new. And we are to partner with him to help make all things new. We are to partner with him to bring his kingdom into this earth. But we find ourselves in this place now where sin had entered the world and God is saying, listen, I'm coming back for you one day. I know it seems hard right now. I know it seems difficult, but listen, I've got a plan. I'm coming back for you one day. You're not alone. I'm coming back. I've got a plan and his plan all along. Even here, he's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. He's saying he's the one that's going to come, that's going to stomp the head of the serpent. But Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they had kids. And those kids are born into sin, into a sinful world. So now they have some kids, Cain and Abel. And what did Cain and Abel do? They're sinful men. They're sinful men. They're, they're, they're men who are, uh, especially Cain, right? And, and, and there's this moment where they're fighting against each other. They're jealous of each other. Cain is jealous of Abel. And in response of that jealousy, he kills his brother. Kills his brother. It's the first time somebody's murdered in Scripture. And you know what happens there? It spreads. It spreads and we see throughout scripture from this point on that things get so, so bad. The world becomes sinful and scary and people that have, many people have the same attitude that Cain had and they're killing each other and they're torturing each other and there's wars and there's all these things that are happening and it's all because sin entered the world. But once again, Jesus has a plan. So if we were to stop right here and talk about what we have seen so far, some of the themes that we've seen. We see that we were supposed to trust, the theme trust, and we didn't. And we are where we are today in the world because of it. We saw that we were supposed to be partners with God, but from the very beginning, as we were to partner with God, we didn't do it very well. We see rebellion happen And that rebellion spreads, as it always does. So it sounds bad, doesn't it? And it still affects the world today. But once again, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to our problems. He's the answer to the sin that has entered into this world. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again so that you could have life. And when we put our trust in him, we're forgiven of those sins. So all along, his plan of grace has been at work. His plan of has said to pursue us, to chase after us, has been at work. And he points to someone that would come and would crush the serpent's head. But before he does that, There's a day where God looks down on the earth and he realizes that it's so evil. So evil. As he looks down, he's looking for one righteous man and he finally finds Noah. And he asks Noah to build a boat. And as Noah builds this massive boat, he puts all of these animals on there two by two. 
And one by one, he puts these animals on and it begins to rain. And water fills the earth and everybody drowns other than Noah and his family. And God re-begins the world again. But sin had already entered the world. So out of that, sin continues to spread. It continues to spread. But in that moment, part of the theme that we see is that God shows grace by not completely destroying the world, by saving Noah and his family. He shows redemption by saving Noah and his family. And he shows his said, his love, faithful love, leads him to make a covenant with Noah to preserve his life. And you see, even in this story of Noah and him getting on the boat and him being protected by following what God wanted him to do, even in that, it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus that if we are in Christ, that we are separated from destruction. That if we are in Christ, that we cannot be put in a place where we are destroyed because he's forgiven us of all of our sins. So are you in Christ? Have you put your trust in him? Are you in the boat or are you out of the boat? Are you in Christ? He's pointing to Jesus every step of the way. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. It shouts the name of Jesus. But even after Noah, failure continues. Rebellion continues. And we get to this place where it's so, so evident that we need a savior. And so we're gonna pick up next week on the rest of the story. But what are some of the things that we can take away from today? I think God's character, that he wants us, that he desires us, that he wants a relationship with us and that he's willing to do anything. He's willing to do anything to make that. And what a beautiful story the creator of the universe coming down into this broken, messed up world. Why? So that he could die on a cross for us and rise again so that we could have life. What a beautiful story of a prince leaving his throne and coming into the regular world with the people so that he could have a relationship with them, so that he could save them and rescue them. Friends, God desires to rescue you. It's been the plan from the very beginning. And it's his plan right now. And so if you're here today and you say, Jesse, I've never been rescued. I've never given my life to Jesus. Today is your opportunity to do that. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.